Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, 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 it looks like you stuck with us. Welcome to the second episode of the Comedians Talking About Football podcast, the most self-explanatory podcast out there. Every episode, me, your host, Sam Michael, a long-suffering Reading FC fan and comedian, talks to different comics about the lows, the highs, the overpriced pies, and pretty much everything else that comes with supporting a football team. Today's guest is a member of the Labour Party, They have a wispy beard and own their own allotment. No, it's not Jeremy Corbyn, but just as good. It's my good mate, John Matthews, known mainly for performing in the Bristol area, the buzzing Bristol comedy scene, uh, where he runs the very, very, very popular People's Comedy Club, um, which is a great night. If you're ever in the area, go down, check it out. He uh, he launched that uh, with another comedian, Henry Palmer. And when I first met John, I saw him with his long hippie hair, his long beard, looking like a wizard, his baggy trousers, his pancho. I thought the last thing this guy would ever be into is football, but he is a huge Saints fan. So that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Um, worth noting, uh, you might need to excuse the optimism of some of what uh, John talks about, such as uh, Danny Ings playing for England in Euro 2020, because this episode was recorded just weeks before the whole country shut down and went into a lockdown. Yes, if you're listening to this in the future, you've probably forgotten all about the uh, the coronavirus of 2020, but bear that in mind <laughs> with some of the things in this episode if they seem a bit outdated. Uh, anyway, without further ado, this is John Matthews talking about Southampton FC. It's a funny old game. It's a game of two. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. 
James John Matthews, I'm going to start with a few racist jokes. <laughs> but don't worry, Stokes Croft, that's jokes about racists. <laughs> so if you're a racist, prepare to be offended. <laughs> now, I, I, I am detecting the tension in the room, if you think I'm being a bit harsh. But I just want to tell you some of my best friends are racist. <laughs> no, that's not true, all my friends are white liberals. But my granddad, right, he was racist. So if you think about it, that makes me a quarter racist. <laughs> so I feel like I'm entitled to make a few jokes. So then I'm here with John Matthews. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank Thanks you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. That's all right. Today you're talking about Southampton. I am. I am indeed. And yeah, you're a Southampton fan, John. Now, we met, I think, properly. We'd gigged, I think, a couple of times and not really spoken. But we... Met properly when I first came to do the People's Comedy yeah. Club in, in Bristol. You told me a story once about a sticker or some, oh, a sticker um, you've seen once. Benali, Fra- Francis Benali. So it. he's he's kind of like this leg like he's a cult player in the sense that like no one else knows that about from other clubs really remembers yeah. him and he was kind of like a little bit obscure. He was um he was a left back, um and he was the player that was sort of like replaced by Wayne Bridge when Wayne Bridge started to come through. Um quite short uh, I think he scored one goal in his club career or something. <laughs> I was in this toilet in Beijing, in this reggae bar in Beijing, and these kind of like little squat toilets, like little kind of like horrible, horrible toilet. And I was there, kind of like stood there having a wee into this squat pot. And I kind of look up and kind of like at face level on the wall behind the toilet was just like this old Panini sticker of Francis Benali on the wall. And I was just in absolute like fits of giggles, such a silly kind of thing to have. How did it get there? I so, love that some toilets someone was in the toilet or just had a panini sticker. Well, apparently it's a thing. Apparently there are people who, who are Southampton fans and they, <laughs> they get hold of old, um, or make kind of copies of these old panini stickers of Benali. And then whenever they go on holiday somewhere, they start putting them up in toilets around the world. Oh, brilliant. I love that. Which is that. phenomenal. It's absolutely hilarious. When I met you, I was quite surprised to hear how much of a football fan you were. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you come across quite anti-establishment. But yeah, I was, I was surprised to hear, like, not only were you a football fan, but you were a very dedicated football fan. Yeah. And your knowledge of it is fantastic. And you're a diehard Southampton fan. Mm. How did you get into football? Um, it's a little bit strange, really. I wasn't into football as a, as a sort of small kid. Mm. It wasn't until I was sort of like maybe like 11, 12, and I started playing kind of football in the park after school. Mm. And as a result of kind of like having a kickabout in the park, I started to kind of like become a football fan as a result. My brother is a Southampton fan. And when I was a little bit older, he started taking me to games. So what were your like first memories of Southampton then? Like what, what sort of year do you remember when you first went? Do you remember your first game? I'm, I'm not sure. I think my first game was, I was probably about 14. Um, and it was against Charlton. It was Premier League match against Charlton, and um, it was it was a really really good game, and um, it was one. Of, Southampton were two nil down at okay. half time. Um, Scott Parker, I think, scored both goals, um, and he. This was what, like you know, not long before he moved to Chelsea and mm. then did nothing else really. Kind of yeah. like disappeared, but he was kind of quite an exciting midfielder at this point. And um, and Southampton came back to win 3-2, if I remember rightly. And it was a brilliant match. 
And um, my brother said on the way home, he said, they're not all like that. Yeah. They're not all like that. So if you think about um, the, it was the 2009, 2010 season, you were in League One, is that right? Yeah, yeah. What was it like being a fan at that point? It was, in in a strange way, it was a lot of fun. I kind of look back at it fondly, kind of partly because... Um, like our two seasons in League One, the first one we sort of um, we narrowly missed out on the playoffs, and then the following season, uh, quite early doors, Alan Pardew got sacked, mm. and then Nigel Adkins came in, and he led this like fantastic revival. You know, we'd bought Ricky Lambert, um, had like Adam Lallana, kind of like these Morgan Schneider and Jose Fonte, these players yeah. that kind of like stayed with us as we kind of well, ascended. Well, that was the thing, because Lambert was, you know, obviously he was your top goal scorer for, for a few seasons in a row, yeah. including um, league when you are in League One. Yeah. And was there an idea then that well, you can do it in League One, but there he was years later doing it in the Premier League, and at one point even for Liverpool. Yeah, I think it, it was it was quite an inspiring story. Like that that group of players that just grew every season. Mm. Kind of we, the, the season we got promoted from the Championship... We, we came second to Reading, actually, the year mm. the Reading were champions. And we'd be, but we'd been leading for ages, and I think That's we played it. Reading and lost. That was it, 3-1. And there was, yeah, I, there was a blip um, as a result of that. We, we kind of had a couple of bad results, and, and Reading ended up winning the, the title, uh, the championship title. And, and, but we went up, but it was the same thing. It was like, it was the same core group of players. And then when we were surviving and, and kind of thriving a little bit in the Premier League... Mm with the same group of players until kind of gradually one by one they kind of all all got sold off. I mean in the in the sort of the 2000s or the noughties whatever you want to hear whatever you want to call them the there was a few teams that I always considered as strong well strongish or or at least you know safe Premier League teams mm. dropping down into the kind of the league ones and stuff. So, you know, the you know in the early 2000s there was the issue with ITV Digital going bust and the whole fiasco that that caused a lot of teams to lose money Um, but when you looked at teams like even now Ipswich going down there Norwich went down to League One you had teams like yeah Charlton Athletic I mean Leeds as well yeah Leeds Leeds as well Sheffield Wednesday but Mm. for some reason with Southampton it, it didn't feel like it should be happening I remember seeing it happen and thinking oh that that shouldn't be happening to Southampton what do you think were the with the factors in them dropping down that that far down. I mean, at the league. time, the, the chairman of the club was a guy called Rupert Lowe, who, who, sort of, he was a bit, you know, he was a businessman, but his his interest and knowledge of sport of, of football wasn't great. And actually, last year during the um, during the I can't remember if it was the European elections or the parliamentary elections, but Rupert Lowe stood as a candidate for the Brexit Party somewhere. Right. <laughs> um, but he, I think it was kind of a, a big mismanagement of the club. And after Gordon, they let Gordon Strachan go. Gordon Strachan, um, so the story goes that he fell down the stairs and broke his hip. And he went on kind of gardening leave that he sort of never came back from. Right. Um, and I think that was kind of the big mistake, really. We, you know, we'd, we'd qualified for Europe. We'd had an FA Cup final. We'd... Um, had a couple of top half finishes. We were sort of looking like a strong, strong mm. team. Kind of like it looked like the future was bright. And then there was a series of just incredibly poor managerial appointments. Um, and and then suddenly we were we were championship. And then we were bust. Mm. And we were League One minus fifteen points, which is 
all in the space for a few years. When we were in the championship, they attempted to build this championship dream team that had like players like Rudy Scatchell, um, Gregor Rajak, and you go Idiakes, who were kind of like you know really solid championship players. They tried yeah. to build this championship dream team, spent a lot of money on it, I think, and and it never. I mean, we did we did make the playoffs, but we lost in the playoff semi final, I think, to Derby, but I can't really remember. And then suddenly we were. Next thing you know, we were League One minus fifteen points. Man, yeah, I mean, it's it's. It, there's one word that always comes up whenever someone talks about the fall of a football team, and that's chairman. Mm. Now, do you think there's an issue with chairman? You have to be the right person. I think you. I mean, obviously, being rich helps, but do you think sometimes they're either not enough of a fan of football, which we've seen with Burry. Yeah. With obviously Burry going bust, you see there was the story there of him coming in and basically just treating it like a business, kind of selling off. X, Y, and Z, mm. and making himself a bit of cash out. It's sort of as a business investment. But do you also think there's a problem where sometimes they're too much of a fan of football, and you see that the owners or the chairman are, are, are treating themselves as managers? I mean, there's so many stories these days about, and even in the top flight of, of Premier League football, of, of chairman making signings over managers. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's a big part. I think it's probably ego, and it's like the owner isn't the owner isn't necessarily the person who should be chair chairman mm. or, or, or chairperson and like it it hasn't it hasn't always worked like that and I think sometimes there's this idea of well it's my football club um and I kind of understand that and you know they have invested money and they want to see a return and they want to see success but I think the problem with with sport is now is that the lack of patience yeah and and no one's prepared. No one's prepared to go. Oh, we're happy at this level. This is a good level to mm. be at. Um, and, and you see that kind of like with the fact that the teams will spend a lot of money to to get into the Premiership. And if they if they drop out of the Premiership, there's that we've got to get back in the Premiership within kind of like a couple of years. Otherwise, you know, we lose the parachute payments and we're we're stuffed. So I, I think that. That it is, a, it is, but I think more than anything else, it's ego. And I think the successful clubs have been the ones that have done it intelligently. And I think like Leicester City are kind of a really shining example mm. of how a club can be well run, um, patient, build a squad, get a good manager in, and do something incredible. Um, and then I think what what Leicester had a choice: they could have spent big to try to defend their title, or they could have. Reaps the benefits of that and kind of and and they're doing well. I mean, like they are sort of in the top two or three again this mm. year, and hopefully they'll qualify for the Champions League again. And that would be that would be a really nice story. That it's it's kind of like they've they've built up that slowly and they're not kind of desperate. In regards to modern day Southampton, how would you describe Southampton as a football club? So you went up in two thousand and uh, in the two thousand eleven two thousand twelve season. Yeah. But these days, would you say you're a safe Premier League mid table club? I think it's it's complicated and difficult because we've flirted with relegation and we were really really lucky to stay up. Um, and. I think the the you know like last season kind of or, or the season before last with Mark Mark Hughes was kind of brought in last minute which was a mental kind of choice. I don't think that he's um, a 
Premier League manager anymore. Mm. I think I think he was at one point, but not not the way the game's changed. And he he comes in, and he's credited with kind of saving the club. And I don't know how true that is. I don't know if if he really did anything. He got given this contract, and he just wasn't up to the task. Yeah. I really like this new ma- manager, and and then signing Danny Ings permanently has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. But Ings we, for England. Yeah, I think I, I absolutely Ings Ings for England. Definitely, I think he's got to go to um, the Euros. Um, but I think there were also a couple of Duff signings, and I don't think Shea Adams was one of them. I think Shea Adams will come good. Right. Like I really believe that he was an investment in the future, yeah. and I think that. You've got to be patient with young players. Um, but we but we signed this player called Kevin Danzo and he's played a couple of matches and he's genuinely awful. He's just not <laughs> up to the league. And I don't know where that came from because I think actually in the summer we were crying out for a strong centre-back and, mm. and that was the one thing we didn't we didn't really get. And, you know, maybe Hausen Huntles trusts the centre-backs we've got. But, you know, it is... I would still like us to see see us strengthen that area, but I think, you know, I think he's done a really good job, and you can see that he started to stamp his mark on the team. Um, and there's exciting players that have suddenly um, started looking like they want to play for the club again. You made a point just then about keeping players is as important as buying new players. Mm. Let's take you back a few years to when your squad included players like Ricky Lambert, Adam Lallana, Luke Shaw. Now that squad kind of there was an in-joke for a while that Southampton were becoming the Liverpool youth team. Yeah. They got picked up by by Liverpool. Uh, obviously, Luke Shaw went to um, Man United. What do you think happened there in the cases of letting those players go? I mean, at that point, you would you say that team was put together by Pardew or Nigel Adkins? Who made that strong squad? I think... So, pa- uh, Pardew signed Lambert... Um... And some of the uh, Morgan Schneiderlin had been uh, Adam Lana, Luke Shaw were mm. youth pro- products. I know, like Morgan Sch- Schneiderlin, he's kind of fallen out of favour a bit now. But at one stage, when, when he was playing for us, he was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, he held that midfield together so well. Um, so I think, but I think Nigel Adkins was the ma- manager who got the most out of them. Yeah. Um, but I think when when we were in the Premier League, and you know they they brought in this quite strict wage structure, and you know like these players they wanted to go and they wanted to earn big money mm. and they wanted to play in the Champions League and, and the the truth is as well I think if you want to play for England and I don't agree with this but even even Gareth Southgate's got a, a big club mentality yeah. he's not interested in he's not interested in players from small clubs mm. like maybe one or two caps here and there but he builds his team around like big club players and actually sometimes I, I, I personally think that the England England team suffers for it um, because I just don't think he's brave enough to pick those pick those players like I mean like Jack Grealish like Jack Grealish if Gareth Southgate's the manager everyone says he is Jack Grealish will be will be will be starting for England every game of the Euros yeah. but I don't think he will I think he'll 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 um, settle for a, a player who's been a bit part player at a bigger club like someone like Ross Barkley Ugh, Ross Barkley I think of him more as an England player than I do a club player well yeah he seems to play more for England <laughs> than Chelsea doesn't he so going back to the, for that squad up one thing I always felt and I'm speaking now as a as a Reading fan we won the championship in the mm. 11-12 season All right. to remind you <laughs> don't of it. rub it in and you guys came second and I always felt like that player for player you had the better team Adkins left there was real obviously at the time you weren't to know that Potter was going to come in and be arguably one of the greatest European managers in a long long time yeah but when Adkins left 
uh, there's a story of him writing on the board, kind of keep smiling, lads, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I remember the picture. What was the feeling when he left? It was a shock. I mean, we were doing okay, and then um, all of a sudden he was gone, and no one, no one knew why. I think the reason why was because they'd already lined up Poch, mm. um, which, which obviously, you know, he, he, it was great, and we were lucky to um, to have a manager like that for as long as we did, really, to be honest. Um, but it was it was heartbreaking to mm. to um, for that to happen, um, and it and kind of hammered home the brutal nature yeah. of the Premier League. Like it's that family mentality is easy to have in the Championship, it's easy to have in the lower leagues, but to have that in the Premier League is rare. Mm. And I think that's something that that, that Leicester squad had under Ranieri. Like, yeah, and, and that's what was so special, and that's why everyone loved them because they had that family kind of feel to them and and you know some people might say that Liverpool have that now I personally kind of um don't really see that myself um but some people kind of kind of attribute that that all to to kind mm. of Klopp's leadership and Klopp's kind of like close-knit yeah um, circle I can relate to that as well because the same thing happened to McDermott you know he was in the championship it was all family friendly he was kind of seen as he's never going to go anywhere mm. you know there was a big you know there's literally a board on the back of the Medeski that said on the eighth day God created you know Brian and you know banners and stuff that said that and then suddenly there were in the Premier League a few bad performances and he's out the door you know um, and the reason I bring up Reading as well is because within a couple of weeks Adkins became the Reading manager yeah I remember what was that like seeing because we've been rivals for the previous season I felt like a big deal wasn't really made about that in the press that it had been like kind of McDermott versus Adkins all the way through the championship yeah. to, to who was going to pitch to not only get promoted but win and then there we were kind of a, a less than a year later and Adkins is the manager of Reading <laughs> I mean p- personally it felt like I, I, I was happy for Adkins mm. you know I was happy that he'd gone to to a nice uh, to a good club um, he that he'd kind of got another job so quickly mm. I kind of just thought fair enough I think it is it is generally it's nice to see former managers do well. There's one exception. There's one manager I never want to see do well, and that's Harry Redknapp. Right. I was devastated when he won. Um, I'm, I'm a celebrity. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Yeah. No, I didn't win any any silverware. Just I'm a celebrity. <laughs> get me out of here. You've been described as uh, a vaguely political comedian. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do a lot of material in regards to politics and stuff. How do you think politics uh, affects football? Um, oh, it, it's it's a huge. It has a huge impact, and I think that the politic, uh, the football, is a kind of a microcosm of society. Mm. Like you can you can tell so much of what's going on in society by kind of like the 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 stuff that's going on in football. And one example of that is kind of like the racism kind of instance that yeah. we've been seeing lately. Kind of have reflected kind of increased kind of tensions in in um in general. So I think that there's there's kind of that relationship and you know they're, they're talking about how Brexit's going to affect the Premier League in regards to kind of like signing European players and how you know there's sort of is still some debate about how that's going to look. How, how's that going to work though because that's one thing I, I hear that a lot that Brexit's going to affect the um, signing of players. Do you know how that's the reason for that? Well I know that players outside the European Union um, have always needed a work permit um, unless they are, so it's like former, um, is it former Commonwealth nations? They have this special relationship with the European Union called like, the Coal Pack. Have you heard of Coal Pack? It's a big okay. thing in cricket. Right. No. Not so it's this that. idea of in cricket they have this thing where if a player plays for 
if a player is from a country that is um, like on on this sort of set of certain set of trade deals with the the um, European Union, so for example, South Africa is is the one that's kind of important in in cricket. They um, they can come and play in this country. They're allowed to play um, as a non overseas player um, because of this kind of like special thing. And they're saying that after the Brexit, kind of like after next year, they won't have that. Um, they won't have that in cricket anymore, and they're saying they've already said explain what what's going to happen instead. Um, so I don't know, but then that's down to the Home Office, isn't it? At the end of the day, mm. like it's it's down to their their decision. But you know, they're talking about kind of like skilled skilled workforce, you know, skilled immigrant workforce, and actually, what does that look like? And I think, you know, would you would you be happy for to have you know a a footballer come over from from whatever country get paid the silly money they get paid but also pay the silly money they pay in tax mm. kind of like I kind of think yes and you'd rather have the Premier League thrive and that happen than the Premier League diminish because you can't you can't bring players yeah. from outside anymore it can be a reflection of society and you know, again we saw that in the 80s and mm. we've seen it and it seems to be quite Specific on certain clubs as well. I mean, yeah. Liverpool's a great example. You know, they don't read the sun. They have nothing to do with the sun anymore. I, I massively, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of Liverpool Football Club, um, but I massively respect that. And, yeah. you know, Klopp refusing to answer questions from Sun journalists yeah, yeah, recently. True. Like, yeah, fair play. Like, like after what, um, you know, after the way the newspaper demonised Liverpool fans in the wake of Hillsborough and everything like that, I don't blame them for doing that at all. You know, and there's even been humorous things. So I remember England versus Scotland before Indy Ref. They were kind of going, you know, why don't you vote no? No, why don't you vote no? Well, fuck off Scotland, why don't you vote no? You know, there's, mm. there's always a little bit of tension in there when something's happening in politics. Yeah. It does seem to get pushed out. Oh, yeah, like definitely. And I think that that's going to be interesting come the come the Euros in the mm. summer. Like we're going to be playing kind of like, you know, a lot of countries that are still members of the European Union. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of tensions that creates mm. no one no one else is going to be cheering for them mm. like we're not going to be like a lovable underdog to anybody no 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 like there isn't going to be a neutral in europe that is no. going to be cheering on england you know when i think of like when germany won the world cup like i think it was such an exciting kind of german side that, mm. that i mean i was cheering i mean i have i've got german heritage but i was cheering for them yeah you know when when um when you see an exciting team um you generally want to see them win, and I, but I don't think well, we won't have that. You talked about about an underdog who sort of everybody gets behind a little bit. I think if they qualify, that will be Scotland, for political reasons of their stance in in regards to the EU, but also the fact that they haven't been in a tournament for a long time. I do think they're going to qualify because there are these players in there, Robertson and stuff like that, who are. Um, coming through the ranks, I think. Oh, actually, every now and then you see a really good player, and you go, "Oh, he's Scott." Oh, he's Scottish as well. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Yeah. These guys could, if they if they learn to mould, could qualify in March and, and get themselves through. It happened. It happened, didn't it, with Wales? Mm. Like there was that Welsh team, um, twenty sixteen, and and that was like all of a sudden it had built up. You were suddenly like realised that there were some really decent Welsh players. Oh man, I was still and they were good. So angry about how Robson can do that year. He'd done nothing for us all season. <laughs> then he turns and does a Cruyff turn again. But oh. then Wales learned pretty quickly the story of how Robson Canoe, which is he does something world-class in one game, but he doesn't do it again for 18 months. 
Yes. That's well, him, because when he went to West Brom, everyone was really disappointed. It's like, yeah, yep. that's, that's good old Hal Robson Canute. <laughs> so I was, in, I was in China. I was living in China for that, that Euros, and we were, like, getting up in the middle of the night or, or like, staying up all night to watch match, matches in kind of, like, um, mostly in this, this sort of massive great Irish bar um, in Beijing. And, and it, oh, the atmosphere, when we went to see some England matches in these pubs in Beijing... Like there was something, it was electric and it was, I think England, Wales. And it was like, there were loads of Welsh people and there were mm. loads of English people. And there was like, you know, the singing, I mean, it was people singing the national anthem, kind of like the Welsh were singing kind of like their kind of bread of heaven and their kind mm. of like patriotic songs. And I think even some of the England fans in the room sort of burst into Jerusalem. We weren't even in the room. It was in the middle of the night. It was glorious hot summer. Yeah. And this pub had put this big screen on like the side of this building. Wow. So the pub was like the first, the the ground floor (laughs) of this like three story building, like an Indian restaurant above it. And they'd put this kind of like screen on on the front and we watched it all outside. And it was just, it was absolutely mental. It was like, like what I imagine it must be like in those fan, you know, those fan parks they have that you see. It was kind of a little bit like that. It was like a mini version of that. And it was a good laugh. What everyone loves, what every Southampton fan loves to talk about, <laughs> Matt Letizia, should he have been in the squad in '98? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, I, mean, it, the, the, I looked up the other day. The strikers we took were Michael Owen, Alan Shearer, and do you know the other two? Teddy Sheringham. Yeah. Well, you know, too early for Darius Vassell. Um, way yeah. too early for Darius. who? Who was the fourth? It was Les Ferdinand. Oh, really? Who I believe at the time was at Newcastle. Okay, but he would have been. He would have been well past his prime at this yeah, point. Yeah, I would surely. have said so, yeah. Crumbs, okay. Yeah. But then, yeah, they should have, take, they should have taken him. It, mm. it's, no, it's, it's that big thing, isn't it, of what could have been. Yeah, I mean, there's, there seems to be the three players for, for World Cup 98 who everyone can't believe didn't make the squad. So one is... Gaza is, as well. Uh, well, well, there was a Gaza, but I mean, uh, just in regards to forwards, oh, okay. um, was, of course, Matt Letizia, Robbie Fowler... And Ian Wright, yeah, who obviously had just come off the double at Arsenal. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm so jealous of Southampton for having a player like Matt Letizia, <laughs> who I think is just so. I'm so glad he still works in telly. You can still catch him on Soccer Saturday. He seems such a nice, genuine guy. I, it must be so great having a player like that who was so dedicated. And I don't think you're ever going to get a, a player like Matt Letizia these days. No, who could have gone to Man United, could have gone to Chelsea, could have gone where he wanted really. Probably could have gone abroad, could have gone yeah. Barcelona, Madrid, something like that. Because he was he was class, and you know the fact that he you know he lived in it was Jersey, wasn't it, and just got the boat over or something yeah, like that yeah. for games. What was it? What was your? That must have been your early memory. So ninety eight was the. That was when I think I really started to get into football. Yeah. Ninety eight World Cup, and I remember because I remember having the wall chart, and I remember, I, I always loved like the maths and the the charts and that kind of like element of football. I know it sounds really really mm. bizarre, but I've always loved that. I, I'm I'm quite into maths and graphs and charts, and and like, but Letizia, um. Like, I don't massively remember him as a player for Southampton. Mm. Um, I just remember this note, like, the, the, the great escape. And then people talking about the season where basically him and Marion Pahars, I can't remember what year it was, but him and Marion Pahars basically scored kind of like a hatful of goals in the last kind of like five games and saved us from relegation. Like, but I think he wasn't exciting. He was exciting. He could make something happen from nothing. Mm. And, and at every, every club that does well and every team has that. 
And I think that's what, what maybe what we lacked in the world, in that world cup, like looking back and having watched kind of like videos and stuff of it, like that goal against Argentina that Michael Owen scored, Mm. that was a something from nothing moment. But how, but there just weren't enough of them, you know? And actually what could have happened if we'd had a few more of those like magic moments, but like Malatizia, I mean, the goals he scored were oh, absolutely that's incredible. Insane. I mean, like you're saying, you know, maybe if you were too young to remember some of his best work, but at the same time, you know, I know there's, there's legendary players for my team who mm. I weren't even alive when they were yeah. doing their thing, but, you know, I still kind of have, you have the videos. Yeah. Hand. You know, young kids who are Southampton fans, one of the first classic players they'll know will be Matt Letizia. Oh yeah, and you, like, I watched the video, I watched the YouTube videos from, from ever feeling a bit sad. Yeah. I watched, <laughs> watched the YouTube videos to cheer myself up and they're, they're incredible. And even people who aren't into football, I know people who aren't into football who who love Malatizia. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. He has the kind of profile of a... All right, not maybe not quite David Beckham or Michael, uh, or Michael Owen, but he'll, he'll, he'll be a name everyone recognises, like Teddy yeah. Sheringham, like uh, Dwight York, Andy Cole, someone like that. You know, someone where if you say to someone, do you know Dwight York? Because they'll go, oh, he was a footballer. for you know, But he played for Man United. They played for Newcastle, you know sort of, with all respect, these kind of top-level yeah. Premier League teams. He was a guy who was at Southampton, mm-hmm. and yet he still has that legendary profile of, of which not many teams at that level have, a kind of a, a legendary player who didn't go off and make their career elsewhere. Because, you, you know, every now and then I'll turn around and go, oh, well, you know, in our day we had, um, I don't know, we had Sigurdsson, Gwaifi Sigurdsson, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, great Everton player. Yeah, like, ah. Okay, yeah. Well, actually, it was ours first, or yeah, you know, yeah. you know various. You know, a bit like in a way, um, you might have that with Adam Lallana at some mm. point. He'll be more remembered as a Liverpool player than a Southampton. Uh, yeah, player. Totally. Uh, but it's amazing that you still have. It's just he was Southampton through and, and through. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the the personality of him, like on the pitch, like in the audacious like mm. things he did, and it just, I think that that's something that you don't. Even well, the now the players that like are memorable and exciting, are the players that let their personality out on the pitch, yeah. and you know sometimes that's great and sometimes that's bad, um, and and um, like Balotelli when he was at Man City, obviously he was the, the guy's crazy, yeah, but like his personality came out on the pitch and it was fun. It was fun to watch mm. Balotelli play, and Letizia, he was he was like that. It was fun to watch him, but also like now like. He's so he's got like a podcast and he he obviously he's on Sky you know he's on Sky Sports and 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 kind of all these bits and pieces but he just kind of like he seems to just so like jovial and yeah. lighthearted about it all. and you know he was interviewed um, a little while ago because he he plays golf um, I think he's a single figure handicap or scratch handicap yeah. golf golfer and someone mentioned it to him and he said that he's now in he's in better shape now as kind of like a a, a golfer approaching his 50s <laughs> approaching 50 than he ever was as a professional Amazing. footballer and it's like absolutely kind of crazy is Letizio facing May once more he's round Palliser he's round May oh and he chips Schmeichel and that is a sublime piece of skill from one of the most skillful players in the Premiership Matthew Letizia absolutely brilliant Matthew Letizia receives the rightful praise from all his teammates. But you go a long way to seeing a more accomplished goal than that. 
against two of the top defenders in the country. My, my wife uh, works with children with autism. And they have this guy that comes into the school. Yeah. And uh, he's employed by Southampton Football Club. He's kind of like an outreach, kind of like community kind of role that goes into different schools. And um, my wife mentioned to him one day that, um, that uh, you know, my, my husband's a Southampton fan. And um, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll get him a signed shirt, I'll get him a signed shirt. And he Brilliant. did, he got me a signed shirt. The only problem is, is the Saints players, as they were signing it, thought that they were signing it for sort of an autistic <laughs> child at this school. <laughs> oh, man. It's not for a fully grown man. In- <laughs> yeah, you know, this kid's quite large, isn't he? As <laughs> they were signing it. Um, I do know the year of that shirt, I believe 16-17 season. Yes, it's away yeah, shirt. it would be, yeah. And I've bought a present for you today. Okay. Um, for coming on the podcast. Oh, wow. You've got the away shirt, so I've got you the home shirt. Oh, that that's so kind season. of you. <laughs> so, John, thank, thank, you, thank you, very you very much, much man. Cheers. No, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Great episode talking about Southampton. If you're a Southampton fan or a comedy fan, please do uh, find John online. He's very, very funny. Uh, website is just uh, johnmatthewscomedy.com. Thanks very much, John. Cheers. A huge thank you again to John for coming on the podcast. And uh, if you ever are in Bristol, do go check out the People's Comedy. And uh, if you do find one of those football stickers, as we mentioned earlier, do tweet us let us know um speaking of which uh, you can follow us on socials and uh, get in touch we are at com talk footy pod that's at com talk footy pod and that works on instagram and twitter so give us a follow on there until next time uh, i've been sam michael and join me again for more comedians talking about football where our next guest will be manchester united fan dan fitzhenry i'll see you then Football, at the end of the day, football, it's a funny old game. It's a game it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.